Well, let's look. We're going to wrap up the series today, I think, uh, called The House of Healing. And um, I just want to just reiterate that that also means a house of health. Not that we're a church filled with perfect people, but that we're a church filled with people who are committed to being perfected. Come on, how you know? How many are you thankful that God's not done with you yet? Yes. Amen. Yes. And we're going to look at Mark six, chapter six, verses one through six. It says, "Then he, talking about Jesus, went out from there, and he came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue." And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? Talking about his preaching and his teaching. And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to him, to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and his own house. Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. I want to talk to you about the hindrances that we need to overcome to continue to contend for the house of healing and health that God is calling us to be. And the first thing that I'd like to address is that there are four needs I'm going to cover. And the first need is a need for a greater revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, our limitation that we experience on earth is oftentimes due to the lack of of revelation we have from heaven. You see, a lack of revelation will always cause you, like we see in this passage, it will always cause you to question Jesus the King and explain his kingdom away. Let me say it again. A lack of revelation will always cause you to question Jesus the King and explain his kingdom away. Jesus begins to teach on the Sabbath. And he's doing so with such authority, and we see this throughout the Gospels. People are amazed and blown away by his teaching. And it's no difference with this audience. They're astonished, and they begin to question among themselves. Where'd he get that one? What in the world? How did he get that? This is the stuff that Jesus is dealing out in the synagogue. He is revealing the kingdom of God, and he's pointing people to the king. How many know that's what the gospel does? It declares the kingdom of God, and it points people to the king. This is why, listen, our worship and our praise, 
And it is so important because how many know God can, God can intervene in his presence when we're praising him? Listen, just like Pastor Damien was facilitating this moment, you could be going through hell. Come on. And right in the middle of worship and praise, heaven can intervene. Why? Because, listen, his kingdom has come. And it is all to get you to point and get you closer to the king. Jesus, the king and his kingdom, listen, it is always a threat. It is always a threat to our selfishness and our sinfulness. The king and the kingdom is always a threat to religiosity. It is always a threat to the traditions of men. It is always a threat to darkness. It is always a threat to the principalities and powers. And one of the greatest ways the enemy is working today in this generation is getting people to question God's identity and authority. Why? So, no, so we won't walk in our God-given identity and authority. You wonder about all the confusion around gender and all these different things. It's because the enemy knows. Listen, if we can begin to question God that he somehow made a mistake with our status, come on, he can confuse and cause chaos in a generation. If the enemy, listen, can get us to question who God is, he will get us to question who he has created us to be. You see, we talked about this in the Get God uh, Right series uh, last summer. Your view of God and who you believe God to be, what he is like is the single most important factor in your life. And the revelation knowledge of God's character and nature that only comes by grace through faith. Everybody say, by grace. By grace. Through faith grace. determines what we think how we think, how we act, what we believe, how we worship, and how we live and invest our entire lives. This is why praise, I'm just going back to it, this is why our praise is so important. How many know if we just came in and just, like, it's just gonna be another day, another Sunday. How many know God's not maybe gonna have his, all his way, Amen. If we're just come in the sanctuary and we're like, yeah, Pastor Brandon, he's got, he's going to do uh, three songs. He's going to do uh, this. He's going to do that. And, you know, we can go through the motions. But how do you know God wants all our praise? As I mentioned uh, this week, uh, the, refi the revival services uh, intentionally reached a conclusion. And the final service ended late Thursday night. The crazy thing is... Uh, the crazy thing that happened was there were thousands of people that showed up the next morning, just they, and they weren't having services. They just wanted to be on campus. And so people were being prayed for on the lawns and just worshiping and praying uh, on the lawns. Over 100,000 people in the last couple of weeks descended upon the campus there at Hughes Auditorium. And one student being interviewed said this, it's not going to end. He said, everybody who's seen this, everybody who's experiencing it, whether it's here in person, whether it's over the phone, talking about social media, whether it's halfway across the world, he said, Jesus is in those places the same way we are seeing him here, and so revival can happen anywhere at any time. 
What was the student saying? He was saying a greater revelation of Jesus will bring revival, come on, right where you're at. I remember in, uh, when the Brownsville revival, again, this was in the early 90s, this was in Pensacola, Florida. I remember when that revival uh, was taking place, and I remember not being able to go. I was a poor youth pastor at the time, so I wasn't thinking about flying to the East Coast, but I remember I was shaving, and there were a lot of staff members from uh, the church that I was at. They were going to Pensacola, and they were coming back all fired up, and like, you need to go, and I'm like, you need to give me a raise. No, I'm just, and, uh and uh, I remember just being like, man, God, I want to go, and I was shaving, and, and at that time in my life, I don't know, it's because I was really still when I shaved, but God would always speak to me when I shaved. And I remember shaving, and I was just being really careful. I didn't want to cut myself. And I remember the Lord said, listen, you don't have to chase revival. You just got to embrace revival. And listen, God, I believe God is pouring out his spirit right here in real life so we can embrace it in the here and now. I wanted to just show you a testimony from that revival of a young man who actually traveled six and a half hours, just got saved like a year and a half ago, just to be in the presence of God. And I just want you to catch the fire this morning. We've been crying out for revival in our city. We've been learning about revival, but I've never seen it. I didn't even know it was real. I'm like, I'm just sitting in class and they're telling us all these stories on college campuses and then going across the nation. And we're like, where, when is this going to happen? And then they lock you in a prayer room and you're just like, hey, you got to ask for it. And we're just sitting there like, God, I'm asking, what, what does it look like? And then all of a sudden, my friend Jaden says, dude, if Jesus just localized himself and just sat his throne in a room, how could we not drive six and a half hours to go see And we get here, and we get here, and it was like complete, we get here at like 6 a.m., and it's completely silent, and I'm like, um, is this revival, God? And we walk upstairs, because we're kind of nervous, we're like kind of shaking already, we didn't get any sleep, just their terrible road trip partners. They both fell asleep, I drove most of the way. But besides that, we go upstairs and there's people like sleeping, and we're like, so this is revival, God? No, cool, this, this is awesome. And then chapel starts, and immediately we just see people flooding in. And God said, revival isn't hype. It's ordinary people who are hungry. It's ordinary people who are hungry. And he said, Gage, I'm going to need you to go to the altar. And I'm like, I don't want to go to the altar. (laughs) And he's like, go to the altar. And I go to the altar and worship starts. And he's like, this is revival. Look left. And I look left. And there's this young college woman getting prayed over by an older woman. And he says, look right. And then there's this young guy praying over an older guy. And he says, look behind you. And everyone's just raising their hands. And he said, Gage, this is revival. It isn't hype. It's ordinary people crying out for a move of God in our generation. And I'm here to talk to everybody in this room who is hungry. What an honor. What an honor it is to be here. Revival's real. It isn't just a story we've heard about. It's come. And it's not just come here today, but it's about to spread out to the nations. It's about to spread out to the United States. And I'm here to talk to every young person in this room. I just gave my life a year and a half.
half ago to Christ, and it has been the greatest thing I have ever done. I left everything, and I'm here to talk to every young person in this room. Forget the job, forget the girl, forget the guy, forget everything. He's worthy, he's worthy, and I'm here. And I'm just saying, oh, it's such an honor. If you don't feel that joy inside of you, I don't know what's going on. It's real. Amen. I love you guys. Come on, how many of you know he's got a revelation? And God, listen, he is calling us to walk in the revelation of his love. Come on, the revelation of what he is doing on the earth. And you see, when you don't have a revelation, come on, the enemy will demand that you have an explanation. You see, since the beginning, the enemy has been reasoning with humanity to rebel against God's will instead of submitting ourselves to it. The slippery serpent since the beginning has got us questioning what God said instead of believing what God said. They said, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Where did he get these things? You see, they were familiar with his hometown on earth, but they didn't have a revelation of the kingdom Jesus came to represent. They said, what is the wisdom given to him? The audience was astonished, the Bible says, by his teaching. That word astonished means way more than surprise. It means to actually strike someone across the face. How many know somebody's preaching the word when it feels like that? Come on. It means to expel by a blow and to drive out or away. In other words, it meant that the wisdom that Jesus was dropping actually struck people in such a way that it began to drive out everything that was not true. And this is what God wants to do in us. The word, listen, the word that we hear, the word that we submit ourselves to each and every week or in your small group, listen, it's just not to tickle your ears. It's to submit yourself to it and say, yes, Lord, change me from the inside out. You see, heaven's wisdom will always be, heaven's wisdom will always expose earth's foolishness. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 20 and 21 says, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, but it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached, which if you go back a little earlier, he's talking about the message of the cross being preached to save those who believe. They asked themselves, how are such mighty works done by his hands? You see, they knew his earthly work but they didn't understand his mighty work. And as I mentioned last week, there's nothing wrong with questions, but listen to me, you need to write this down. He understood that these questions that his hometown asked was they were asking them to protect their lack instead of provoke their longing. Let me say that again. The questions that they were asking, they came forth to protect their lack of revelation instead of provoke their longing for something greater, for a greater revelation which would have allowed them to see that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. 
You see, some of us are in a constant state of need and lack because we are seeking relief from something else or someone else who will never meet the need, even if they meet it tangibly. You'll just keep thirsting for more. Listen, you'll just be hungry for more because you're not going to the source. You see, the need you have, the lack you're experiencing is to provoke you and I to a place where we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first so that all these things, come on, that have stressed us out, have us down and out, have us in doubt, God can take care of all those things. Jesus said himself, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He said, I am the bread of life in John chapter six. He who comes to me, listen, will never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You see, a lack of revelation will always cause you and I to demand answers to questions God has already revealed. And the reason why, listen, the reason why, listen, you're experiencing what you're experiencing because God wants you to take that lack and that need that is confronting you and he wants you, listen, to transition that into a longing that gets you on your knees. Instead of seeking somebody else, you seek the only one that can meet your need. His hometown demanded an explanation instead of believing the revelation that Jesus was who he said he was. The second thing that every church needs to overcome the hindrances to healing is a need for biblical honor. You see, the failure to honor the king and his kingdom will cause you and I to fall into the familiar. Verse three says, is not this the carpenter? Isn't this the guy who just made a table for me? Didn't he just make a stool for me? This is the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph and Judas and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? You see, Jesus' hometown didn't honor who he was. And here's the principle I want us to understand. You will always have a tendency to regulate the God you don't celebrate. Have you guys ever watched American Idol or The Voice? Nobody except me. Have you guys ever watched this right? And they're down to the finale. There's like two of them left, American Idol and like uh, Noah and, and, and Leah. They're going to go uh, back to their hometown. And like uh, Leah, this girl Leah, I think it was last season, uh, Leah went, goes back to her hometown. Her name was... Leah Marlene, she went back to a place called Normal, Illinois. How many know that's just not normal, right? She goes back to a place, and they go back to her hometown, and it's like packed out. If you could put that picture up. Listen, this is like, the, this is like Normal, Illinois right here. She's there, and they're just flocking there. And they're in the final four, and you would think because of this crowd, she got a Grammy, But ultimately, she's just down to the final two, singing somebody else's song. How much more, come on, this morning, should we honor Jesus who laid down his life to give us an abundant life? You see, the questions that people ask revealed 
that they lacked revelation and therefore they lacked honor. They didn't know who he was and they tried to explain it away. Therefore, they didn't treat him as the king as he was. You see, when we fail to honor God, we can't enter the kingdom of God. When we fail to honor God, we can't be exposed to the wisdom of God. We'll explain it away. When we fail to honor God, we will question the mighty works of God. A.W. Tozer said the heaviest obligation lying upon the Christian church today is to purify and elevate our concept of God until it once more is worthy of him and of, come on, the church. Can we just lift up our hands for a moment and just honor Jesus the King? Come on, can you just call on the king this morning? I know we spent time in worship, but can you just honor the king? Come on, acknowledge the kingdom this morning. And can you just lift your voice? Come on, for just 10 seconds. And just thank the Lord that he is moving in this hour. Listen, that he's calling you to walk in the authority and the identity that he's given you as a child of God, a son and a daughter. Hallelujah, God, we honor you. And we give you praise today. Hallelujah. Can we give him praise this morning? I believe God wants to break out. Amen. You see, when I honor God as king, the kingdom opens up to me. The mysteries of the kingdom begin to open up to me. But not just the honoring of God, but the honoring of God's people. When I honor the God in you as an image bearer, here's the key. If we're going to be a house of healing and health, come on, we've got to look past the hurt. We got to look past, come on, people's pain. Come on, we've got to begin to see who God called people to be. We've got to see right through, come on, maybe the confusion that they're walking through. Come on, we can't judge them by the outside. Listen, we've got to got three, look through all of that, and we've just got to see God's purpose and God's plan and God's, we used to say it like this, we've got to call out the gold in their lives. This is why I always choose to honor the image of God and people. Because I never want to discount or devalue God's divine plan and purpose in a person's life or in a family's life. And I think one of the things that we have to continue to do, this is like point 2A, but I made it three. But as we are continuing to contend to be a house of healing and a house of health, there is a need for increased sensitivity or one of our habits is empathy. Can I create some healthy tension that I believe will help us become a healing house for everyone? Can I say everyone? Something we need to pay attention to as a church is a need for sensitivity for the special needs community, those that are currently a part of our family and those that are on their way. Individuals with disabilities and their families also are central to the flourishing of faith communities. And like anyone else, they bring gifts, talents, and passions that are needed by others in their churches. Their testimonies and personal stories can positively contribute to the faith formation of fellow believers. 
Their life experiences and diverse perspectives can help broaden views of what it means to live faithfully in the world. Their friendships can bring life to people whom they encounter, and the avenues through which they serve can meet the needs of others in their midst. Indeed, churches are incomplete without the presence and participation of individuals with disabilities and their families. Currently, and these statistics kind of made me take a few steps back, but currently around 10% of the world's population, or roughly 650 million people, live with a disability. Up to one in four, 26% in America have some type of disability. And catch this, more than 90% of church-going special needs parents cited the most helpful support that a church could give is a welcoming attitude toward people with disabilities. You might know the Kenworthy's and uh, you might know Daryl and Danelle and DJ, and uh, I brought them in. DJ was born in the middle of a revival. They were pastoring a small church up in the North Coast, and four people were flocking uh, to this church, but I invited them to share their story with us this morning. Hi, we're the Kenworthys. DJ, can you say hi? Say hi. Hi. 27 years ago, DJ was born in the midst of revival, people being saved, healed, and delivered of addictions and attitudes. In a town of less than 2,000 people, we regularly had more than 400 on Sunday mornings. Sunday nights, we had services, and many times we would have pastors from all over the North Coast region coming with their leaders. Testimonies of miracles were constant. It was into this revival that DJ Um, was born. And DJ has Down syndrome heart and lung defects, and medical issues that were very challenging. And it really, our lives came to a screeching halt at that point, we felt. Yeah, the first 24 hours, our church secretary Uh, recorded over 200 calls of concern from people in our community. And we had messages of prayer and love coming from all over the world. Christian leaders who had visited our church often came to pray for us and over DJ and begin to claim his physical, complete healing. Yes, we believe in Mm -hmm. healing. We have seen it and experienced it firsthand Uh, in our ministry and in our lives, uh, in our family. (laughs) Cancers, heart disease, emphysema. Mm -hmm. Even DJ was healed at one point and was a bona fide miracle that the doctor had pointed out to us. And yet we saw many others still experiencing disabilities, and yet they could live in joy and victory and purpose through their disabilities and physical challenges. Our journey with DJ has taught us that God is the healer, yet sometimes he uses disabilities to bring healing in our relationship to him and to each other. Johnny Erickson taught us, says, sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And some of you have heard me speak about the Ethiopian eunuch. He was an outsider racially, and he was an outcast because of his disability in Israel. God did not cure him physically, but he began the relational healing between Jews and Gentiles when this man became a believer. One area of healing we believe God wants to address is ableism in the church. Related to its debilitating cousin, racism, ableism is the belief that you must be able-bodied 
to be, to be accepted and to function in society and in the church. We've been confronted with our own ableism and have attempted to humbly confront, repent, and root it out in ourselves. With 20 to 25% of our world impacted by disabilities, we should be seeking ways to include and not exclude those with disabilities in our churches. God is not always about physical healing, but he has always about relational healing between him and each other. B I B N. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How we know we can do better. And then lastly, a need for offense-free living. They asked all these questions. They were trying to explain Jesus and his kingdom away. And in verse 3, it says, and they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief. You see, church, as we close today, when we fail to have a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he's our Lord and our savior, when we fail to honor Jesus, come on, and the people he created. Listen, we will be offended at God and others. When you're offended by God, how many know it will limit the mighty work of God? I don't care how faithful you are in your church attendance. I don't know how, how many small groups that you belong to or how many ministries that you're serving in. Listen, when the spirit of offense is released, come on, how many know it will limit the fruit of your life. When the spirit of offense is at work, it frustrates the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So much so, verse six, Jesus marvels because of the unbelief. You see, offended people are often hindered by unbelief that keeps them trapped in offense and unbelief. But this morning, we already prayed the first prayer this morning. I believe there are people that God wants to set free under the sound of my voice. Listen, somebody has offended you. And before I go any further, I could just say this. It might be me. You might be offended by me. There's people that all the time, the staff's always got to remind me to put a smile on my face because I'm always thinking up here. And I, I could have walked by you in the hall and not said hi. And you could be, man, pastor don't like me. How we know the enemy will let you take off with that on your own, unchecked. You don't, or you might have saw me at Walmart. I see people all the time. They'll smile at me. I'll smile at them. I'm like, Lord, do I know them? Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Listen, listen. If I've offended you in knowingly or unknowingly, please, let's get it right. Let's stop allowing the enemy taking that thing and making something that it isn't. All right. And so I just want, I'll, I'll start off by just saying, listen, if I've offended anybody in the room intentionally, 
or you might think it's intentionally, but it's probably unintentionally. Listen, let's just get it right. Amen? Because the enemy wants to set a trap of offense that gets you and I stuck. But this morning, God can give you the faith you need to overcome offense and unforgiveness by deciding today that you're going to trust Jesus, come on, with your life, come on, with your circumstances, and with the people that offended you. Will you guys stand with me? Because I think we all should include ourselves in this prayer as we close. If you're stuck in offense, listen, you're in a place of unforgiveness. I mean, literally like, I don't know how to release this. I don't know how to get beyond this. Listen, I believe Jesus is here to set you free by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I ran across this prayer uh, in a book that I have called The Beta Satan by John Bevere. I encourage you to read it, but I want us to pray this prayer together. How many know we need to be on guard? Come on, the spirit of fence will try to take you out. I know because I've tried it, but here it is. Can we pray this together on the count of three? One, two, three. I refuse to be trapped when the enemy's bait of offense to ensnare me in its grip by filling my heart with bitterness, jealousy, or envy. Satan, you are the enemy of my soul, and I refuse to allow you to ensnare me in your hidden and baited trap of offense against God, my church, and my brothers and sisters in Christ. I refuse to produce the fruit of hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, and envy in my life. The power of God's spirit at work in my heart will keep the fruit of offense out of my life. Holy Spirit, destroy every shred of pride in my life and do not allow it to keep me from being healed, set free, and filled with your power. Father, make me a conduit of the Holy Spirit's power flowing into the lives of others to set them free, heal, and restore them through your love. I want to continue to always grow into a more intimate relationship with you. Expose the areas of my life that hinder me from being Christ-like and cause my life to reflect the character of my precious Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for that this morning? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. And if you need prayer in any area of your life, I want to encourage you to take that step. Maybe you're battling unforgiveness. Maybe you're battling offense. Maybe you are stuck because you've been blinded or maybe even blindsided. Let me say it that way. And you need God to do a healing work in your heart. That's the call today. You need someone to take you by the hand and say, listen, help me to forgive. Help me to release them. Help me to not live in offense. Help me to live an offense-free life in Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart and lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.